Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Holiday. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast as we talk about a bunch of other stuff. But if you do proceed, just be aware that there are plot spoilers. Enjoy. Hey. Big boys do cry by an open fire. <laughs> Kittens nipping at your face. <laughs> you were feeding the cat. I was feeding the cat. That's why we were slightly late. Um, That's cool. She, what is she, she? What is she eating? She is thankfully low maintenance. She has taken a fondness to Sainsbury's own brand kitten food. Um, That's good. So, so none of that Sheba bullshit right now. She's happy with just the. Uh, just the bog standard stuff, which is nice. Has she ever had Sheba? Or? No, she hasn't. So we're keeping that away from her because I think the moment that she has posh cat food, there'll be no going back. Yeah, because if you, you know, if if you've only ever had the the Sainsbury's basics, then you know you don't know any better, do you? You don't miss what you haven't had. Exactly. So yeah. So she has some nice uh, Christmas-based treats for when she's good. Uh, which are like that's nice chicken, duck, and cranberry little like treat things. Um, but yeah, no, she is uh, she is on the normal food. And it's her first Christmas. Are you going to get her a gift? Yes, we will get her a gift. The gift, of course, for her will primarily be the Christmas tree that she can climb up and knock over. That's going to oh, be the, yeah. the main thing for her. Um, but yeah, no, we'll get her a little something. Cool. And then you'll explain to her the magic of Christmas. And the magic of Christmas, of course. Yeah. And how to sing songs like The Three Wise Men, but change all the lyrics. So it's, you know, one in a scooter, one in a taxi, etc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. How are you today, That's man? Very... You are right. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Went and got some more stuff, did a bunch more unpacking. So we're now in a much better state than we were when I spoke to you a couple of days ago, there's still, if you look over here, there's still a shitload of stuff. But also, there's like un- unpacked guitars and books and stuff. So that's good. I unpacked all my books, which is good. Oh, very good. Now organized by genre. Oh, excellent. I think the so, cat. Yeah. I think the cat is coming to say hello. Yay. And now, oh, she's looking at you. She's actually looking at you on the screen. Hold on. Hi, cat. See, she's staring at you. Oh, yeah, because you can see my face this time. Yeah. I'm I'm holding the phone. Eventually, I'll get tired and I'll have to put it down. You won't be able to hear me as well, but I figured you might want to actually look at my face for once. Yes, and I, I massively appreciate it. Oh, Aww. she wants attention. Oh, she's so fluffy. She is unbelievably fluffy. She's possibly the fluffiest kitten that's ever existed. So do you leave her during the day? Like, does she just sit around? Yeah, so we put her in the kitchen when we're at work. Um, and she's quite happy in there. We've got a little bed for her. but And then also a cardboard box with a blanket in it. 
because cats love cardboard boxes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, she's quite happy there. Um, when we come back from work, she's normally then a manic for a couple of hours because she's got all that pent up energy. So she basically just goes running around the house. Um, but today she's been relatively chill, I think, because I've been around all day for her. She sort of like got her energy out in drips and drabs. So yeah. she's been relatively just like chilled out all day, which is quite nice. That's great. I noticed as well you're wearing a Christmas jumper. I am wearing a Christmas jumper, yeah. Um, I it am is sorry not the season I am not. fully. I'm hoping that at some point that will change and we'll have a Christmas jumper yeah. episode. Next time I'll put one on. I have one that's just got like quite a tasteful reindeer on it. No tat. But I keep seeing adverts for like Christmas jumpers with, you know, fo- popular characters and things. It's like they're a real big thing now. Yeah. There's a very good Stranger Things Christmas jumper that I considered buying. But I'm not going to be in the office on what is designated as the official Christmas jumper day for charity thing. So I'm not going to buy one just for that. You know, I'm just going to use the one I've got. But if I had infinite money, I'd buy all of the Christmas jumpers with all my favorite characters on. Which has led me to think, think that's a, we should do know, one of our own. That, but yeah, can we have a Big Boys Christmas jumper that we release? Yeah. Big Boys don't quote. We should have both of our faces and then Guy Fieri in the middle. Yes. Which has led me now. I'm just obviously just thinking, is there a Guy Fieri Christmas jumper? There oh, is. I hope that. Yes, that's amazing. Either that or this is just like a mock-up that someone's made. Oh, it's got him in his like his flavor town pose you know the classic one with the flame shirt and it says flavor town and then actually you can you can see it oh mate i want that so much i want there to be a nightmare before christmas spin-off where jack skellington rather than christmas town goes to flavor town and he <laughs> say, sings that what's this song apart from it's all about guy theory yeah, and then guys, guys showing what's him, this? Like, There's hot dogs in the air. What's this? <laughs> He's just showing him like burgers and hot dogs and all his favourite meals. That would be great. Also, I should tell you that um, since I unpacked all my books and organised them by genre, I've got cookbooks on the big shelf on the bookcase that you you see as soon as you walk in to the front door you open it and there's a bookshelf like right in front of you and the first book you see in the cookery section is the smash mouth cookbook <laughs> yes with forward by guy fieri that's brilliant we've got a few cookbooks um but they're all on the bottom shelf in our living room um including my yeah. favorite which is the burger cookbook which is just various different kinds of burger you can cook it's very nice that seems like the kind of thing guy fieri would appreciate I think he would, yeah. I think he would. I've also found some Guy Fieri socks on Etsy. Guy Fieri festive socks. Oh, they're unavailable. Boo. Oh, no. Instead, so might, it's might... showing me, here are some things you might like instead. And then I'm now looking at some Pepe the Frog socks. <laughs> Jeez, is there a correlation between Guy Fieri fans and like the alt-right then? If, if there is... Um, we've been living a lie and we'll have to shut down this podcast. We'll have to cross over to Adam Richman. Yeah, the the true king. The true SJW. <laughs> the SJW king. SJW guy who eats too much and shows his big face on camera. Yep. Um, 
Good times. Yeah. My my favourite Christmas jumper is um Queens of the Stone Age released one um a couple of years back. Uh where it just looked like a normal Christmas jumper with Queens of the Stone Age on it. But then if you look closer you realise that the reindeer on it were fucking. And that was a <laughs> that was a great jumper. I really like that one. That's really cool. Yeah, I considered yeah, buying Sky Fury Flavor Town one is the best one that I've seen for sure. Apart I have from a, the Stranger Things one. I have a few Christmas jumpers. I have about three Star Wars Christmas jumpers. Um, and one of them nice. is really good because it's got um, Darth Vader playing the piano on it. And I love that jumper. It makes me very happy. You know what I've never seen? What? The Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, mate, have you not? Well, okay. No. Uh, I'm going to change my movie for next week. Are you, you could is it is it a romance is it is no that there, there is literally no romance in it it's as sexless as pre prequel star wars gets um, yeah, as sexless as jar jar as sexless as jar jar binks <laughs> poor old jar jar yeah i mean he was a terrible terrible character <laughs> yeah have you read that theory that says that he's actually um, like a Sith Lord or something? Yeah, where they're saying that... Because, I mean, he inadvertently starts off the Empire. And that, that happens in the prequels because the prequels are a, a bag of rubbish. Um, but, yeah, and there's this theory that actually it was his plan all along. And that all the way through he was um, sort of like the Machiavellian leader uh, pulling all the strings... Yeah, I mean, I, I could believe that, but at the same time, his face isn't the one that's on the bananas in the co-op, is it? It's the it's R two D two on the bananas. It's BB eight on the oranges. Yeah, you know? there's no Jar Jar, not anymore. Anyway, no. although he kind of looks like bacon, so maybe they should put his face on a packet of bacon. Yeah, Jar Jar bacon, or like they're like they're like amphibian creatures, aren't they? So they maybe like frogs' legs in France, packaged with yeah. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, we don't, apart from frogs, we don't really eat amphibians, do we? No, actually, that's true. And I say mm. we, it's only really the French, isn't it? Yeah. You don't get many people eating, like, newts. Yeah, or terrapins. A nice, a nice terrapin kebab. <laughs> <laughs> terrapin casserole. That's what I'm going to serve on my... Um, now I'm going to roast a terrapin for for Christmas as an alternative to turkey. It's the new, it's the with, new hipster thing. Topped with marshmallow, like uh, the sweet potato casserole. <laughs> nice. Terrapin and marshmallow. It's a great flavor so, combination. It's only been it's only been two days since we last recorded, but in that time we've managed to pack in even more film. We I have indeed the holiday yeah. last night. Yeah. Um, did True you? professionalism there. Yeah. Did you watch it last night too? Uh, we watched it this morning, actually. Um, oh, cool. We got up early because my folks were coming around to meet the kitten. And then, oh, um, nice. And then, yeah, we were just like, oh, yeah, let's let's keep it fresh in the memory and watch it r- pretty much right before filming. Uh, before, before Do you think it made a difference watching it in the morning? Because... Some, like getting up and then watching a film you're in a very different frame of mind to the end of the day aren't you 
Yeah, you're right. And I think maybe The Holiday, which is this week's movie, um, for our dear listeners who might have forgotten um, or who didn't read the description of the episode they're listening to right now, um, I think you kind of need to be in a slightly sleepier frame of mind in the evening, maybe, to really appreciate it. I feel like it's more of an evening film. It's like you're tired, you're half falling asleep. Here's some nice saccharine loveliness to to keep you going through the evening yeah i feel like a lot of um christmas films or films that you want to watch over the holiday season as a whole are a bit like that aren't they Uh, there aren't many that would be kind of wake you up in the morning films are there no you're right actually um you've got a a lot of like kid focused ones i think work in that regard so muppet christmas carol um that's a wake up at 7 a.m and watch that bad boy straight Hell out yeah. of bed straight out of bed michael kane i haven't watched it yet this year i'm very excited it is possibly my favorite christmas movie um it's the out best. of all of them uh with the potential um exclusion of black christmas the slasher movie which i totally love and i try to watch that every oh yeah year. i've not seen that either that's a good one if there was any kind of romance in it i'd shoehorn that in here somewhere but uh, alas, <laughs> that's not going to happen. But I recommend it. It's a real fascinating look at like the origins of the slasher genre because it sort of like predated a lot of them. All right. So the holiday. What a yeah. It's 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 a kind of sleepy sleepy afternoon evening film for the hol- the holiday season, appropriately named, obviously. Um, and I think it it fulfills that that role that relatively sort of easy role to fulfill i guess although there are a lot of films that do it cheaply and not as good um i think it fulfills that well wouldn't you say yeah i'd say so um i think i didn't enjoy it as much this time as when i last watched it i've seen the holiday a fair few times but not in a few years and so i was quite excited to rewatch the film but overall i think it fell a little bit flat but um yeah but in terms of just sort of like lazy, lazy watching, I think it was absolutely fine. Some parts of it work a lot better than others. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it has, um, it's you know, it's not thousands of stories all trying to connect up through tiny scenes like Love Actually. It's an, a few people's different storylines that all intersect um, and then they all come together in a kind of quite forced way at the end. But I, what one thing that really struck me was that the scenes are all quite long. But I don't know if maybe it just felt that way because we watched Love Actually the week before where all of the scenes are way too short and you get nothing out of them and then suddenly you're moving on and Hugh Grant's dancing. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting one because I think, I think it's not just that we watched Love Actually last. I think in general um, it... Uh, it it is a the the scenes are a little bit longer um and it's quite interesting the choice that they made with that because like it allows the characters to express themselves a little bit more which could be a really interesting choice in a slightly more interesting movie yeah i felt like they they were they were trying quite a lot to to explore the characters and to explore the the characterization and really to to dig deep on that 
and a lot of the scenes actually you probably thought could have ended sooner than they did but there were kind of conversations carrying on particularly between um Cameron Diaz and Jude Law I spent I felt like they spent the most time developing that relationship because that was the the most kind of interesting but also the the most kind of improbable and it had the the so many layers of him being a being a, a dad and a widower and stuff that they um they that was kind of like they were laying it on as I like to say with that relationship yeah I think I think they were but I, I also feel as though that's the relationship that i was the most interested in possibly because of the improbability of it and also because the two characters were that much more fun um you don't th- you don't think jack black's fun i think he's fun in general but this in in the holiday he's the most subdued it's possible for jack black to be it's like they shot him with an elephant tranquilizer before they filmed his scenes <laughs> Well, I, yeah. See, I like to think of it as Jack Black. He he scrubs up all right, doesn't he? He's got he's got like kind of, we well, dresses smart and wears like nice clothes and stuff. And he's like, hey, he seems like he seems like a gentleman. But there's still a bit of like the the Jack Black we know and love that comes out. I think where there's like him sitting at the piano and he's trying to come up with a theme for the elderly director Arthur Adler, um, and he plays the Indiana Jones theme. I mean, there's a, there's a there's a little bit of him like doing his musical messing around, which is his thing. So I think it comes out, but yeah, I guess it does it does seem like a kind of sanitized Jack Black. But that's only because in everything else, he's basically the same as he is in in School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I I I wouldn't say I love Jack Black, but if Jack Black's on form in something, I really enjoy it. Um, and and like it, you're right, he has proved that he has chops in various movies because this came out like the year after king kong um Mm. and like the adaptation of king kong is much maligned but i think it's quite an interesting take on it um i thought i thought it was okay it turned it into a sort of quite epic action film didn't it? yeah yeah because it was a peter jackson movie so you got all of that spectacle that peter jackson brings with him um and i think they did a i think they did a pretty decent job with it some there's some sort of like really horrible moments in it where like Peter Jackson even brings in his earlier um, experience of horror movies. Um, and so it's a really sort of varied film. The, the way that they treated the relationship between King Kong and the various other characters in it, more than just being a freak of nature on this island, um, was also really interesting. Um, so I think that movie's quite good. And in that, Jack Black isn't... He's not going around saying like, wow, I'm playing the guitar. <laughs> he, he's, he's subdued in that. Uh, that. That was a great impression, don't you think? of what jack black that was very that was very good Um, yeah and uh the legend of the band was way hardcore (laughs) the legend of kong was way hardcore um (laughs) yeah oh that or in every film he has to go step off step (laughs) off (laughs) um but yeah so in that in that jack black sort of like proved the variety of what he's able to do and he's not necessarily been able to follow through on that going forward um in his career there's quite a lot of movies where he kind of retreats back into what jack black is um but um but it's nice to see him do films that are a little bit different so like i mean this is a very very traditional rom-com at its heart it's really sort of like you know this is this is a really sweet love story it's all about love there's not really any, there's not really any naughtiness in it whatsoever. It's incredibly tame as well. Um, 
it it is tame. Yeah, there's 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 nothing salacious. In fact, the the most kind of salacious moment is when, and it really it does in the context of the film, it really does tickle me. Is when um, Cameron Diaz has just arrived in um, in sorry in Godalming. It doesn't say that, but I know that that's where it was filmed. Um, and um, she's gone out to get some food, and she's in like the little supermarket, and she's just swigging from the bottle of red wine. <laughs> yeah, that always but that always tickles me quite a lot. Yeah, and that and but, and that's what I like uh, the most about this film is the moments like that, which generally Cameron Diaz and Jude Law bring to the film, is like in this in this film you expect there to be a lot of um, fish out of water elements on both sides. So someone used to the busyness of L.A. going to Surrey and being in a small cabin, uh, a small cottage, and then like being stuck in a small village in like the countryside after being used to the hustle and bustle of a big city and then conversely you'd expect there to be lots of kate winslet being like i can't handle this crazy la place um but instead yeah. she kind of stays she's in- trying to cross over eight lanes of traffic and she just can't do it and then she's stuck there forever and that's the end of the film yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but instead she, the, a lot of the la scenes is effectively just in a gated community and and Kate Winslet being in a house of various different sorts of house, um, a big a big they, house. They didn't really make the most of that side of it, which might be why I feel as though that side of it falls a bit short. Um, it does, yeah. But the they could have gone really deep on the cliches there, or the the whole kind of yeah. I'm a sucker for a transatlantic love story, but they it's yeah. There are the elements of the kind of life swap thing. They, uh, at points you're like, okay, we get it now. You know, she can't get her case up the snowy little road because the driver can't get up there. We get it. The driver who, the taxi driver who incidentally was in one episode of Peep Show as one of Mark's old classmates, Foz. Oh, really? Yeah, there's that guy. And he's oh, amazing. a dickhead. <laughs> like in this film where he's a dickhead taxi driver. <laughs> Yeah, he seems. It seems like that kind of minor actor always plays like small dickhead parts. Oh, okay. Yeah, he can get in the bin then. Although he's very efficient at playing those those small dickhead parts. He's good at what he does. He is. <laughs> yeah. Although I do kind of wish that it was Super Hands as the cab driver. Yeah. That that would have been good. You haven't seen. I don't know if I've seen the guy who plays Super Hands in anything else. Have you? Let's have a little look at IMDb. His name's Matt King. Matt King. Let's have a look at... Matt King Cole for the Christmas season. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's apparently in Bronson, which I have seen. Um, What's that? It's a really good movie with um, Tom Hardy about Charlie Bronson, the most violent... uh, prisoner in britain oh yeah um, that's a yeah. great movie um he's also in rock and roller as a character called cookie okay um, that's uh that's a guy Ritchie. it is yeah oh, it's great it? because it it came out at the beginning of the um like credit crunch and housing crisis and everything like that um where the whole economy was going to shit and the opening line of the movie is the uh it, with a big strong cockney accent it's something like the uh the house market in London is bigger than it's ever been and it's growing at the biggest rate of all time. <laughs> it's just like, oh, <laughs> bad time. Bad time to release this film. Um, 
on the edge, Guy Ritchie. He's he's always on the bleeding edge, isn't he? Of Cockney gangster films. <laughs> I watched um, his adaptation of King Arthur the other day. Um, oh out of God. curiosity, is it terrible? No, it's really good fun actually. Um, and most oh, okay. of the time, and most of the time, it's like a comedic fantasy epic. Um, with the odd moment of like angst in it and the angst bits you're just like get on with it get to some quip and someone punching someone in the face again come on um but like there's this odd there's these odd moments here and there where guide richie's old methods of direction bleed through so it's kind of like king arthur king arthur like runs a brothel and stuff like that or he like helps run a brothel um because he was like cast out when he was a youngster because the the current king's going to kill him because he's the true heir to the throne and that kind of stuff and there's so these this is he a cockney um no, well no he's played by charlie hunnam <laughs> so okay not quite a cockney it would be good if he was played by Superhands. that would be great <laughs> yeah or um, danny dyer or danny dyer <laughs> i am the true king of england <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but yeah and there's a, there's this bit where he's like well we gotta pay his fare and all that kind of stuff and it does that really quick jump cut that he's known for um and so yeah it's a bit weird a bit a bit a bit of an odd blend of stuff but it's quite interesting um yeah so let's have, let's have a look at superhands superhands was in a film called malice in wonderland Never um, heard of it. malice in wonderland that sounds like the yeah it does have danny dyer in it so he's in a movie with Danny Dyer. Of course. Um, six degrees of Danny six Dyer. De- six degrees of... To be fair, I think Danny Dyer's entire um, filmography is probably deserves to be put in some kind of um, directory somewhere of the greats of cinema because I love Danny Dyer films. Um, well, when, when we have got through all of the romantic films that exist, which we will do eventually, when we've completed romantic films, we can move on to Danny Dyer. Yes, that sounds great. Um, Either that or dog he, films. Dog, Danny Dyer and dog films. We alternate. Yeah. Um, he was in Paddington, the Paddington movie, as someone called Andre the Thief. <laughs> I don't remember that. Have you seen Paddington 2, incidentally? I have not, no. Apparently it's very, very good and a treat for all ages. Oh, okay. Because they said that about the first movie, and the first movie I got incredibly bored after about two minutes. Did you? I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was charming. Are you a bear hater? I I, I hate Peruvians. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot you're a you're a massive racist. <laughs> yes, but just against people from Peru. Um, disclaimer: that is not yeah. true. I'm making a joke. Um, people darkest are Peru. Yes, um, which is kind of racist in itself if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it does, um, it does definitely sound very very racist. Um, and anyway, yeah, I, I, I it was fine, but I feel like there's very few kids' movies that really do appeal to all ages, and Paddington wasn't one of them. Um, yeah. But then I am much not, more of a cynical, heartless monster than you are, Paddy, which might have something to yeah, do with so it. Yeah, how, see, how, how do you feel about like Pixar and Disney's recent output? Some of them I really like, some of them I don't. Um, Did you in see the, Inside Out? That I saw. I weak. thought. Inso- I thought Inside Out was good. I don't cry at films, um, and I don't feel that emotional. The only one that made me close to crying was Toy Story three, which I thought was very, very strong emotionally. But like Inside mm. Out, I was like, eh. Up, I was like, eh. They're very clever stories, and they're very well told, and I enjoyed the movies. But like, I didn't get that emotional attachment to them that a lot of people have. Yeah, no, I I very rarely cry. I, when I say I wept, it was it was it was quiet and small weeping. 
It was it was it that wasn't... pure kind of emotion. Yeah, yeah. The same as one one might weep when walking through the gates of Flavortown. <laughs> well, then I'd be sobbing like a baby. Yeah, just with tears joy, joy, with joy, and my tears would actually be barbecue sauce because that's what happens when you <laughs> enter Flavortown. Yeah, your your ducts get operated upon. Cat, can you fuck off? It's <laughs> it's trying to eat my trousers. Minnie, oh. stop it. it ju- just add its dinner. It Go has just had its dinner, and now its dessert is apparently my trousers. Have, have the have they are they covered in chocolate sauce? They're, unfortunately, they are not covered in chocolate sauce. Otherwise, I would be the one eating them. Um, You're wearing your no, chocolate they're... trousers again. <laughs> I'm wearing my cat food trousers. Actually, just just various bits of meat sewn together. My Lady Gaga trousers. Oh yeah, the meat dress. <laughs> um. Oh, go. Stop it, cat. Stop it, you little cheeky scamp. Um, y- so how did we get onto Superhands? Uh, oh, because, oh, we were suggesting him because as of the, playing the taxi yeah, driver. Yeah, the, the taxi cab man. Um, but yeah, so I, I really like Cameron Diaz and Jude Law in this film. I, I In fact, well, I really, really like Cameron Diaz in this film. And I really like Jude Law as well. But I think she's like the real driving force of comedy in the movie. And kind yeah. of the driving force of heart, because I feel as though the other relationship is a bit less interesting. And I think the characters are a bit less interesting. It's less interesting and a bit more forced as well. I think. Yeah. Um, whereas you've got or that... It, co- it sort of comes across as a bit more obvious and there aren't really layers to it in the way that there are. In fact, what's um, way more interesting about Kate Winslet's storyline is the friendship she develops with old man Eli Wallach. Yeah, and I think that's quite a nice story. Um, you don't. Who really was eighty nine in this film? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, he only died like a couple of years ago, and he was like nearly a hundred. Oh wow! Okay. Um, but yeah, that that whole that whole plotline is really really good, um, and you get this kind of like. I don't know, the ideas of legacy being brought up and things like that, which is really nice. Um, and that friendship that they develop is really is really nice as well. I think it's a little bit heavy-handed the way that they actually develop it. And, like, there's a whole, there's a whole problem with the L.A. side of things in terms of, like, the storytelling about Hollywood and, like, the Hollywood history 101. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It assumes that you know nothing. Yeah. And, like when Jack Black's talking about the soundtracks in the um, when they're in the blockbuster um, which ages yeah. the film dramatically by the way the <laughs> fact that there's movie rental stores um, as does um, Iris um, Kate Winslet's character she's emailing the asshole man on um, on like some kind of Blackberry or some kind of PDA device yeah yeah um, and also the fact that it, there's people working at the Telegraph who seem to have some kind of emotion and heart, and they're not just husks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people who seem like normal, genuine, cool people who would never tell their readers to vote to leave the European Union and throw us into the bin. Um, so, so let's, d- dear American listeners, because I know we've got a few, let us tell you a story about the, the Telegraph newspaper. Um, the Telegraph newspaper... Um, is one of the most established broadsheets in the UK. And it used to have, even though it's a very right-wing paper, 
um, it was generally very well regarded by people across the political spectrum for the quality and integrity of its journalism. Um, so even though it would be like, oh, okay, yeah, these guys are like massive Tories, at the very least, you'd get like the facts if you read the, the Telegraph. Um, and I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah, for sure. However, um, this has all started to change recently. Um, and uh, a, a good thing to point this out is uh, all to do with HSBC. Um, so HSBC is a bank over here which is pretty cheeky, um, I think, to say the least. Um, breaking the law would not be in a fun a way, not cheeky accurate. in a fun way. No, not cheeky in a Danny Dyer way. Cheeky in a tax evasion, um, helping to money launder for terrorists kind of way. Um, and the Telegraph has a few, had a few very established investigative journalists um, who. Um, who you know they used to get a lot of scoops and one of these scoops that they got were was this story about hsbc and its tax naughtiness and they got it much earlier than it would eventually break in the press however um the political commentators at the time at the telegraph were then dissuaded from running with the story by the owners of the telegraph because hsbc happened to be one of the largest ad contributors to the paper as a whole um and this all sort of it happened a fair few years ago. It all broke in 2015. And, um, yeah, it's kind of completely destroyed the credibility of The Telegraph overall. And this is the newspaper that Kate Winslet is writing for <laughs> in uh, in in uh, in The Holiday. And when The Holiday was made, obviously, it was uh, a, a decent established paper. Um, but now you watch it and you're like, oh, I wonder whether Kate Winslet was one of the people who was planning to write about HSBC and told off, or whether she was one of the people that was like, oh, no, we better not lose the ad revenue. Yeah, or whether she, she thinks that it's fine that they employ Boris Johnson to write columns describing people as pickaninnies and using lots of other kind of incredibly colonial racist language, yeah. or whether she's like, actually, I work here, but I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting choice of paper for what's supposed to be generally quite a sort of like nice film. Um, yeah, but so, the Telegraph probably paid to be in it though. It's, it's probably yeah they money, they it? used they used all of that HSBC money. Yeah, this is true. Used it wisely. <laughs> well done, guys. Yeah, and it's interesting because often they, especially as the, the scenes of her working, were only really at the beginning. It didn't really have to be associated with any particular newspaper. That yeah, they obviously had to like chuck in that it was the Telegraph to to have it as product placement. And actually, it probably would have been better if it, she was just any old columnist for whatever, because it doesn't really matter these days. She'd be a freelancer anyway. Yeah, it could have been a made-up paper. Yeah. Um, it didn't. It didn't add anything to the movie apart from some of us Brits who are watching it might be like, oh, that's a bit weird. Yeah. I didn't realise the Telegraph hired anybody who was under 50 and wasn't a lizard man. <laughs> yeah, a daily lizard gruff. <laughs> now, if, it, if she was weird. working for a paper called The Lizard Graph, uh, that would have been a quite a good one. Yeah, but it's played completely straight. Like, it's just on the logo on the wall, and that's it. Yeah. They don't go into it. Yeah, it's, it's just there. The, the script doesn't change whatsoever. It's just the logo, and that's it. And that's that's the only notifier that she's working for the evil lizard overlords for their for their yeah. propaganda machine. 
Although that maybe if you bought the special DVD edition of the holiday, it would have had like a hologram on the front, and you turn it like in one direction, and it ch- it the words change. So it says the holiza day. <laughs> it's like um like a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy thing. Oh, that would be great, mate. Why has this not happened? Well, maybe maybe it has, and we don't know. It's because that's the lizard conspiracy, isn't it? They're they're quite good at hiding themselves. True, yeah. Almost as if they were chameleons. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, um, uh, but yeah, she writes for the Telegraph and lives in a lovely little cottage in Surrey. And they're always talking about how like how how small her house is, especially when she's discussing it with Cameron Diaz in LA. And yeah, okay, okay, her house is massive. Kate Winslet's house is still actually really bloody nice. Yeah, they they're like, oh, it's such a small little cottage. It's like, nah, mate. <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful house, and it's quite a decent size. Um, I would love to live in that. Yeah, kind of house. it would be ideal. That kind of cottage. It would, it's like the perfect with the house. dogs with it's that a specific dog. dog. A very cute yeah. dog. I think it's a Norfolk Terrier. Yeah, I think so. Something like yeah. that. And there's, um, it's not discussed in the um, when they're talking about like house like house sharing and stuff. It's not discussed. It's just Cameron Diaz shows up and it's there, and you're like, "Who was looking after this dog while they were flying across the Atlantic?" That's what I want to know. Well, I think the idea was that Cameron Diaz only turned up a couple of hours after um, after Kate Winslet left, so the dog wasn't right. on its own for a day or anything. It was just a few hour difference. Hmm. At least that's what I hope, anyway. Um, The dog didn't seem to mind, I guess. But but there's a long-running theme in this movie about who's looking after things when the romance is happening. Because Jude Law has two kids, which is kept a secret for plot reasons, um, so that you can get a reveal that the the women that he's speaking to on the phone are actually his daughters. But like Jude Law spends a lot of time either at work or having sex with Cameron Diaz in this film. And it's like, who, or getting pissed in the local pub, or getting pissed down the pub, or seeing his friends down the pub, and you kind of wonder where who's looking after his daughters when all of this is going on. Are they in the pub with him? Are they just self sufficient? Does he do a David Cameron and leave them in the pub? Yeah, maybe he does that. Yeah, or may, yeah, maybe maybe they work at the pub for work experience. Yeah. And they're, they're just they're perpetually in the pub. Um, but yeah, so I, I was wondering this when the film was going on. Like, mm, what what's happened to his daughters when he's off doing other things? Yeah. But I think that the phone calls and stuff do kind of, they obviously, they're dropping hints about how his life, and you're like, is it going to turn out that he's married or whatever? And then obviously it, and it turns out he's a widower. You're like, oh, that's, that, that is just kind of laying it on as that one extra level. He could have just been divorced. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he could have been, but this movie is is pretty much drenched in schmaltz. Um, That's the um, this, this movie's it. version of the d- randomly throwing in a spina bifida. Yes, my wife is dead, so there is no cure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's all right. I mean, Jude Law. I've always been kind of on the fence about Jude Law as an actor. I don't like. I don't think that he com- he's incredibly handsome, as people often seem to do, or that you're supposed to. It seems like you're supposed to think that he's an incredibly handsome and sexy guy. And this film lays that on as well, because as soon as he shows up at the door, she like has to go go to the mirror and check her makeup and stuff because he's so handsome and sexy. And I've never been that sure about about him, 
But in this one, he gives a decent performance, and it's believable and charming enough, even if he does have a bum chin. <laughs> See, I think he's a handsome chap. I also think that he's growing into like a handsome middle-aged gentleman as well, which certainly helps. Um, but I, I really like him in in various things and i think he's got quite a lot of scope for in terms of various genres that he's been in so like he's in one of my favorite movies of all time gattaca um mm-hmm. which is a brilliant film um existence the david cronenberg um sci-fi alternate reality crazy vague follow-up to videodrome um talented mr ripley enemy at the gates mm. he plays the sex robot in artificial intelligence um and yeah, so he's he's in lots of lots of varied roles, and I think he always puts in a strong performance in them. Um, but he never really has. Um, he's never really got sort of like massive, as it were, in terms of being a leading man. I'd say. No, he's he's very very versatile, as you said, name going through all those very different roles. But yeah, he's not necessarily a kind of like a massive yeah he's not he's not a huge guy but he's still a big guy he's big but he's not as big as a house no he doesn't he's he's he doesn't eat a dozen eggs no he's not he's not covered in hair roughly as big as a barge (laughs) (laughs) and um he's going to i think it's now been confirmed that he's going to be in the captain marvel movie um oh the brie larson led captain marvel movie um, oh, she's great. Which will be which will be cool. Um, and and he's playing um, young Dumbledore in the new Fantastic Beasts. Yes, yeah. Um, it's a shame that that movie also stars a ball bag. Um, yeah, the everyone's favourite pirate scrotum. <laughs> um, Johnny Schlepp. Johnny. <laughs> And it's a shame because they had Colin Farrell as Grindelwald in the last movie and then they threw in a, a face change. It's like, ah, oh, you could have just yeah. kept Colin Farrell, who was great in that film. His performance was very good. He was awesome in Fantastic Beasts. Um, yeah. But there's a, there's any number of people. You know who they should really have got? They should have got Tommy Wiseau. He'd have been <sighs> the best at that. That would have been yeah. great. That, that, I mean, that he's essentially a dark movie. wizard already. He's the dark wizard of my heart. <laughs> yeah. But no, they didn't. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Jude Law in that role, for sure. So, Tommy Wiseau, his IMDb yeah. page has now been updated to say that he was born in Poznan, Poland. So, has his... Has, has this confirmed? Has he now revealed where he was born and his age? I don't know, because in in the Disaster Artist, you know that like Greg knows some of his life, and it talks about some of his life where um, he came from an Eastern Bloc country and was born in the uh, what like the fifties or sixties. Um, but yeah, that's that's as much as you know. But then he also has a driving license that says he's thirty two years old <laughs> that he's using for official purposes. Um, at the time of the filming of the Room, he was supposedly thirty two, <laughs> but. <laughs> I think he's much older. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Well. Well. IMDb claims that it was 1955 um, mm. that he was born, but I don't know. But IMDb can't be edited by anybody, can it? No. No. It's not. It's not like your, your Wikipedia's. No. Hmm. I wonder. 
Interesting. But it doesn't, like, does it cite its sources? Let's have a little look. Hmm. It doesn't... Mm, it doesn't allow you to look at the source. It's just there under the born section. He shares... Mm. If, if it is true... I, I'm sceptical. Yeah, as am I. I'm not entirely sure that this is accurate. If it is true, it means that he shares a birthday with Alicia Vikander, um, which cool. is cool, um, and Lena Headey, and Denis Villeneuve. Oh, it's a very popular ah. birthday. Clive that's Owen. A, that's a good... Um... Good birthday. Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Do you share your birthday with anyone good? Oh, let's have a look. I share mine with Huey Lewis. Oh, that's cool. Huey Lewis in the news. But the the main one for me is the NHS. So the NHS was like founded or opened or the, opened its doors or whatever on my birthday, July the 5th in 1950, whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So whenever that rolls around, people are always on Twitter on my birthday being like, big up the NHS. I'm like, yeah. And that is pretty awesome. Um, so I was born on the same day as Claudius, the Roman emperor. That's pretty good. Cool. <laughs> um, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to IMDb. So Jason Momoa shares my birthday. Okay. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Uh, John Carroll Lynch as well i'm happy with that damien bashir um sam mendez hmm. he's yeah he directed um away we go which we talked yes. about on this podcast yeah. before but then also did didn't he do the last two bond films he did yeah um one neither of, of which i've seen but which i based on the names alone i can tell you a total horse shit <laughs> no one of them is the best bond movie made Skyfall. Um, yeah, Skyfall is legitimately the best Bond movie. Anyone who says otherwise is a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> I have... I don't... I think either I've seen it... Oh, no. I've, I can't even remember if I've seen it, but I haven't seen Spectre. Um, yeah, Spectre's not as good, which is a shame. Um... I think the first half is really good and then the second half gets kind of bogged down. Um, I, I feel like you just can't give a, a Bond film a single word name. It's got to be like The Living Daylights or Live and Let Die. or so, Although I suppose Goldeneye is all one word, isn't it? Or, but I don't know. Something about Skyfall is just such an awful name that I just couldn't get past it. Although it is less lame than Quantum of Solace, which is one of the worst <laughs> films I've ever seen, ever. See, I don't think Quantum of Solace is one of the worst films I've seen, but it was it was all it was all right. Um It was it was feeble. Yeah. Um but Skyfall's genuinely amazing. Um mainly because it kind of deconstructs what Bond is in a very clever way. Um so there's a couple of moments yeah, okay. that don't really work. There's a bit of Komodo Dragons that makes me cringe. Um Oh was, yeah, I've heard about this. Uh Coolio was born on my birthday. Um that that is good. That's pretty awesome. Sam Mendes. Uh, I'm now on Wikipedia because I got bored of IMDb to see if there's any like dictators that are born on the first of August. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah they'll find you share it with like General Ratko Miladic or someone. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be great. 
Um, Google Serbian warlords born on the 1st of August. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be one. There's so many Serbian warlords. Um, the 19th pre- premier of Western Australia, David Brand, was born on my birthday. I don't know who he is. Mm, good name. Um, welcome to birthday cast, by the way. <laughs> Big boys do <laughs> yeah. birthday. This could be quite a good, quite a good slot. Actually, we pick a day, go through all the famous birthdays, and just talk about the people. That's actually yeah. not a bad idea for, for a podcast. <laughs> that would be quite a fun podcast. Yeah, if you just did did one every week of who was born on this day. Yves Saint Laurent was born yeah. on the first of August as well, um, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty happy with. I'm going to stop looking now because we should probably continue talking about the holiday. <laughs> talking about the holiday. Which is, yeah, so so Jude, Jude Law, his performance is pretty good. Cameron Diaz is pretty good. Their storyline's good. His kids are quite adorable. It's all relatively believable. And yeah, the Jack Black. I, I, I really like Jack Black as a person. I think he's very, very funny. And people misunderstand him as this kind of goofball. Well, actually, I think there's a bit more to him. And having seen him also in films like Bernie. Oh, yeah, he's Bernie's doing something a little bit different. I think, yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. And Tenacious D were fun back in the day. Yeah, Tenacious D was really good. Like it was very much of its time, but it was that perfect microcosm at the moment that yeah, that, that you sure. needed that kind of silly rock comedy stuff. Um, but I think like his character in this is subdued, and like you can kind of tell the frustration of Jack Black in the scenes where he's talking about music because he's such a music fan. But like he's having to go at like entry level discussions about like music school, about film scores yeah. and things like that. Um, it's almost the complete opposite of his character in High Fidelity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a shame because, like, in High Fidelity, you can really tell that that passion's coming through. And it would be really nice if that passion was here as well. But it's clearly, like, Jack Black would like to go into more detail about this stuff. I, I imagine that I I think Jack Black would be a really interesting person to have a discussion about Vangelis with, you know. Um, mm. Whereas in this, it's yeah. just like a throwaway line. It's like... Oh, Vangelis. Yeah, he is good. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, but I do... When um, Jack Black sees his, his girlfriend walking past with the other guy and goes outside and it's just... Um, it's silent and you can just see him like going to her, what the fuck, but you don't get to hear what he's saying. I felt like that was quite effective and I felt very sad for him in that moment. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was a really well done scene. But then after that moment, you're stuck with two people moping around basically because kate winslet spends a lot of this movie moping she's quite a passive character um yeah i i i found the fact that and i didn't feel this in previous times i've watched this film but this time around i got really irritated whenever she was flustered because a handsome man was speaking to her and it happens like every time that she meets a new male character in the film she has this kind of flusteredness to it and she becomes short of breath i'm just like oh come on just get on with it Yes, you're an awkward yeah. English person and there's a handsome man talking to you, but we kind of That's get it. That's it, now. isn't it? It's a kind of it's a cliched idea of Englishness and it's it's written by an American, right? Nancy Myers. Yeah. She she wrote some other films um like What Women Want and other stuff like that. So her her rom-com credentials I think are pretty strong and that does show in this because the romance flows in a neat way and there's nothing about it that really like um, you know, is 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 you know is bad. It, it definitely works, but yeah, the the ideas of Englishness are more cliched than the ideas of Americanness. And there are moments when they they sort of butt heads, and you think, all right, come on, yes, you everyone 
Everyone in England writes for the Times and lives in a nice cottage and is uptight. Yeah, we get it. Sorry, Telegraph, not Times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean that is a vague truth about Britain, isn't it? That all of us at some point work for a major newspaper. Everyone every single, works in the media. Every single British person, that's all we do over here in this country, is work yeah. for old newspapers. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the, like her writing of Kate Winslet's character, yeah, definitely is is somewhat somewhat cliched. And Kate Winslet performs it very very well, so you don't you almost don't begrudge it to her because she's a great actress. But yeah, it's it's very yeah, it's it's just a little bit yeah. Whereas like people in this film are damaged in various different ways, um, and like it's kind of all glossed over by the very sweet idea of love that this film portrays. Um, but like at least with Cameron Diaz and Jude Law, you get both the highs and the lows of that problem of intimacy, um, which I think is quite interesting the way that they do that, where at certain points they're like, oh, this is great because it's just going to be like, you're going to be over on the other side of the world in a few days' time. So it doesn't matter if we get close because we both know there's this finite end to it. Whereas, um, and then that itself brings up um its own problems eventually which is very interesting the way that they do that um whereas with with kate winslet and jack black it's much more sort of like why do i fall for bad men slash why do i fall for the bad girls and it's like oh i i don't yeah. care i don't care about this just like get together and be happy I'm done with your moping around. That's a much more a much more tired trope, isn't it? The idea of falling yeah. for the bad people. And yeah, I'm incredibly bored by Rufus Sewell's character in this as the kind of bad guy who she keeps sleeping with or is sending her his book or whatever. His character is just he's a knob, but and you're supposed yeah. to think he's yeah. a knob. And and he's, and a, he's just he's a tedious snob. Yeah, because there's no there's no like depth to his knobbishness. He's just being a dick, and it's never really established why he's being a dick either. Um, no, and it's just like oh, I don't really care, and like I really like Rufus Sewell. Um, yeah, he's he's wasted in that role. Yeah, he he deserves something more than just being the random dick. Whereas like even even the other dickheads in this movie, they've got more going on. So Ed Burns at the beginning, he he puts in a very spirited and funny performance as as Cameron Diaz, his douchebag boyfriend slash husband slash whatever. Um, and um, and there's much more sort of like complexity to Jack Black's girlfriend in this, where like she's lying to him and things like that. Whereas Rufus Sewell is just kind of like, I'm going to flirt with you, and then I'm going to announce that I'm getting married to someone, and then I'm just going to randomly turn up and hey, can you have a look at my book? Yeah, it's it's boring. Whereas yeah, Ed Burns' character is great. He's in um, the bits where it's like Cameron Diaz keeps seeing like a fake film trailer of her life. There's one where like he's there. And like the the you get like the little chime of light from his teeth as like the cheesy little film cliche thing. I love that. That's that's like that's a cheeky little moment. That was quite fun. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, that that side of the movie is what really works here. Um, it almost would have been funny as its own story without the LA element whatsoever, um, where you could further delve into the intimacy problems that they have and things like that. Um, and still keep that kind of comedy. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I mean, yeah, I think some of Nancy Myers' other films are kind of more overtly funny, 
But yeah, the moments like that show you that she's capable of writing things that are genuinely very, very funny. But this mm. film, instead of focusing on that, gets bogged down in yeah the the um, the tedious tropes of yeah falling for the bad girl and dickhead and stuff. But but it's rescued by the the charmingness of the characters and the the depth of Jude Law and Cameron Diaz's relationship and the um, the relationship with Eli Wallach as well, which is very very charming. And especially when he gets his kind of celebration um evening thing that she's put on that is like a really nice and touching moment i think yeah i think that's a really nice scene um and again like it's one of those moments where you're happy that there is that other half of the movie in here even though it doesn't really relate to the sort of like romantic focus of the film it's nice that it's there um it's just yeah it's a shame that there's not more to keep you occupied because I quite like her work overall. Um, yeah, in terms of her, she's other got a very film. strong body of romantic work. Yeah, so like, um, she was she did Father of the Bride, which I remember really liking when I was a kid. I've not watched it in years, um, me neither, but I remember it being very, very funny when I was younger. Um, and then something's got to give, obviously. Um, and I've heard good things about the intern, but I've not seen it. Um, I haven't seen that either. Is is that um, Bobby De Niro? Yeah, Robert De Niro um, decides to become an intern. Um, yeah, and yeah, apparently I've heard I've heard good things from people who've seen it. I'm not sure how well it did, but the people who went to go see it said that it was actually much better than they were expecting. Well, as we discussed on last week's episode, he's gotten to the point where he doesn't give a fuck and he can do whatever he likes. So uh, probably his performance in this is good. Yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I'd be thinking anyway. It's, it's I've, I've heard good things about pre- it. Pre-dirty grandpa, anyway. <laughs> Mate, what are you talking about? Dirty grandpa is the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, after the room. Obviously. After the room, obviously, which is legitimately the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, it goes the room, dirty grandpa, and then the bridges of Madison County. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Um, what did you think of the random um, voiceover at the beginning of the film? That Again, doesn't... that felt kind of tropey. <laughs> yeah, or, or that, like really maybe appear. it's yeah. Again, it's it sets the expectation that there's going to be more of it, and that you're it's going to be all about um, her character and her character's story. But actually, it's not about her at all. Really, you end up c- focusing much more on the Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. Um, story so you wanted a bit more of that it felt a bit more a bit more kind of love actually Richard Curtis creeping on people in airports kind of that kind of vibe to it and yeah it was it was, so for the opening it was fine but then when it didn't reappear you're like okay well it's not wasn't really necessary yeah I mean you could have just focused instead on about a minute of reading over emails from the telegraph where um where the senior management there was saying don't run this story about this bank even though they are basically money laundering for terrorists um instead or like several hundred pages of emails between one of the writers and one of the directors about whether the word piccaninis is racist (laughs) or not (laughs) that's a really good way to start off your romantic comedy yeah it would have been more interesting anyway but it's um it's that really that strange thing where i think a lot of romantic comedies if they're trying to not if they're trying to be a little bit if they're punching above just being kind of a goofy comedy 
which this film is, I think, trying to slightly punch above its weight, and it doesn't necessarily get there, but you can tell that it's really trying to be a bit more serious and engaging. Um, They always try and feel like they have to be saying something about love rather than just literally being a a will-they-won't-they love story that comes off in one way or another. And it's always like, is is this the one where at the beginning she says, I've heard that everything I've ever heard about love has turned out to be true. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, I was I was kind of so instantly bored by it that I wasn't really paying attention. I'm like, just just get to the love, you know? You don't, it mm. doesn't, doesn't have to say anything about love. It's fine. But films often feel like they have to try and do that. And the voiceover, I think, is one way that sometimes they try and accomplish that. Yeah, and it just didn't need it. And, and then when, the, when it doesn't come back again, you're just like, oh, why? <laughs> why did you bother putting it in <laughs> in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, you could have cut that and the film would have been fine. But it wasn't, it's not a super long film, but, you know, shaving off a few minutes wouldn't have been the end of the world. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't drag too much, really. Uh, Just as, like, one storyline is starting to kind of maybe drag a bit, you go over to the other one. I feel like it manages the transitions between the scenes quite well. Yeah, I think so. Um, Although... As I've said before, I was always wishing to go back to the Cameron Diaz and Jude Law story. Um, yeah, I, like that would have been it would have been a really nice focus. And I think like this film feels incredibly dated, even though it came out what in two thousand and six. It's very much of that era, and like romantic comedies have yeah. moved on from that point. Um, yeah, they they've moved on from that point in time, where this does feel very dated wouldn't you say yeah definitely and not not just because of the the outdated technology and the emailing on the little pda or whatever it is it's uh there's something about yeah maybe people aren't trying to say so much about love in their films as well or are more comfortable with being straight up goofy or yeah just aren't trying so hard i don't know yeah there's something about it that does just feel very 2006 yeah much like the telegraph it feels overly conservative. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's 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 totally conservative. Um, it doesn't it doesn't try and push the boat out in ways that movies have done since, um, even when they're dealing with the same kind of um, kind of subject matter. So, for instance, um, we watched Friends of Benefits, um, which is a movie about mm-hmm. two people with intimacy issues getting into a relationship, but then trying to struggle to understand. Um, how far those boundaries can go and if they want something more, how much damage will that do to the status quo Um, and that's pretty much the plot of Cameron Diaz and Jude Law in this where the highs and lows of their relationship in this movie all stem around that problem of intimacy and that problem of letting Mm. people in to that level Um, whereby like the physical attraction is very fluid but that romantic emotional connection is much less easy to come by yeah and that film is the opposite because it's not conservative it is kind of it's forward thinking and pushing the boundaries and displaying things in film that hadn't been sort of done as overtly before whereas there's there's, there's no new ground broken in the holiday which isn't to say that every film has to break new ground but yeah it's no it's, it's exactly it's you know it's obvious but it's just interesting to see like the different ways in which rom-coms would make those decisions over such a short amount of time whereas like i wouldn't necessarily see a movie like the holiday being made these days 
um, for like a cinematic release. I think audience expectations are much more different. So although this is very, it's a very well received movie um, in terms of like being watched on TV every year and things like that. Now I don't think necessarily if it came out now audiences would appreciate it as much because so much has changed in the last 10 years in what audiences expect from their romantic movies now if this was coming out now it would definitely be a netflix original like the <laughs> christmas prince <laughs> a prince's holiday that'll be the follow-up yeah yeah jack black could be the prince <laughs> yeah that would be good i'd watch that yeah and he's like he's like a rock and roll prince who needs to be tamed and settle down, but he's too busy off playing with his band. Yeah, he's all like, the only queen I care about is the one with Brian May, and he starts playing the <laughs> guitar solo. Yeah, <laughs> it's mostly just Jack Black doing that and annoying lots of women until one decides that she can take it, and then she tames him and ties him down. Yes, and that that would be the 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 film. I'd, yeah. I'd be up for That's that. That's the next Netflix original coming December twenty eighteen. If Netflix, <laughs> if you actually do that, give us your fucking money. Yeah, come on, guys, we we deserve it. We've come up with that great idea. Yeah, but yeah, would this would the holiday even get made now? I don't know. Outside of. I mean, this plot would work, but I think it would be a mu- much more, a much more different film um, if it was made now. I think the, the script would be very, very different. Um, it would maybe be a little bit bleaker or a little bit more slapstick or a little bit more raunchy. Um, or it would take yeah. the for- form of some kind of mumblecore idea. Um, I don't think it would necessarily be made in the same extremely traditional romantic comedy setting i don't think that would happen anymore yeah do you think that's because like you can't get away with being as formulaic as that anymore you have to you have to throw things out a bit more yeah well i think it's it's less that this film is formulaic or more formulaic than movies now but i think it's more that the formula has changed um and so yeah so it would it would be different um she would be writing for I don't know, some website. Um, Oh, yeah. She'd be writing for Breitbart. (laughs) Yeah, she'd be writing for Breitbart London. Um, And then she'd be all like, oh, I'm going to LA because everyone out here is a beta cuck. And and London now has areas where if you're white, the Muslims will kill you because that's what Breitbart thinks because they're a bunch of fucking idiots. Muslim ghettos. If you, yeah. if you, if there's anybody who writes for Breitbart who's listening to this podcast randomly, just go and get a better fucking job. Like you're writing for Fuck a fucking don't, yeah. You're, don't don't listen to this podcast if you write for Breitbart. This is not for you. You're writing literal poison, literal mind poison. Yeah. Get the fuck Actu- out. Actual shit. <laughs> like if if you're gonna, be... you are the definition of talking out of one's ass. Yeah. So piss off. Um, or 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 do a do a prison planet guy thing and just go and stay in your basement and make ranty YouTube videos like he does, and like then yeah. shill yourself out to to stupid like testosterone pill adverts and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is it? They sell like this like mind supposedly mind altering powder. Yeah, brain force, brain force. Uh, we should get someone and try it live on air. 
well, you know, we record like a week in advance, but you know what I mean. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Yeah, should we do that? But uh, should we? We'll find like a really. I'm going to buy it for you for Christmas. <laughs> Let's find a really right wing um, rom com. Some kind of right wing rom com. There must be one out there. And then we'll take Brain Force Plus before we record our episode. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> I'm really down with that. That could be our January challenge. Because yeah. I don't know that within the, the scope of um, of Christmas rom-coms, there are any any that you could describe as right-wing. Although I guess maybe it depends on your opinion. I haven't seen oh. Elf. Is there actually a secret, like, Breitbart plotline? <laughs> maybe, yeah. That would be amazing. Oh. Some anti-abortion rom-com featuring Mike Huckabee. What? I don't know if this is happening. Let's find out. Is this being being made? Yeah. Called What's a Girl to Do? I don't know if this ever happened. If it did, I think we found our winner. We definitely have to watch that if that's a thing. <laughs> They were apparently looking for funding. I don't know if they actually got funding. Oh, well, that's a shame. I, I, I'm willing to take a guess. <laughs> like the, um, the the Ayn Rand adaptations. Have you seen any of them? No, I didn't realise there were any. They made Atlas Shrugged as a two-parter movie. And it's like the, the biggest piece of shit you'll ever see in your life. When? Um, it was like back in 2010 2012ish all right um and it's it's absolutely abysmal because A- atlas shrugged is um is like uh 1984 but for libertarians <laughs> where it's like yeah. it's like oh the evil government's stopping me from creating a good business and they're evil oh if it wasn't yeah. for the government they i'd want- be a millionaire and i'd bring freedom to the world through capitalism they want people to like work with each other and cooperate on things instead of doing whatever everyone wants for their own individual self. Where, where, where? It's so hard. If it That's w- such an evil thing. <laughs> if it wasn't for the state, I'd have a big log cabin and I'd be entirely self-sufficient because I don't rely on anybody for anything. Yeah, I, was th- I heard a good joke on Twitter a couple of years ago, which is um, two libertarians walk into a bar. Um, the bartender because there are no regulations he serves them tainted alcohol and they die (laughs) (laughs) two libertarians there might have been an extra line that made it even more funny but that's funny enough as it is two libertarians um, go to a restaurant where they eat cheese that hasn't passed any regulations and then they die of food poisoning oh yeah unpasteurized cheese cheese is the enemy Cheese is a cheese is a socialist construct, Paddy. <laughs> it is government-approved communist cuck cheese. <laughs> yeah, why? Well, I've got a That's cheese. What cuck. we all eat. Yeah, ched cuck, pasteurized. How dare you? <laughs> uh, one of my favourite okay, things. Well, yeah. is... We need to we need to watch this film if it does get made. But... Yeah. Thinking about um, how co- how obviously terrible and stupid Mike Huckabee's grasp of economics is, I'm willing to bet that 
he doesn't really know how to properly finance a film, so I don't think it's ever going to get off the ground. Unfortunately, I think you might be right. I'll, I'll keep searching and see if I can find some other right-wing romantic comedies. Yeah, apart from Twilight, if you know of any Twilight was pretty close. Send them in. Yeah, Twilight. It was weirdly conservative, wasn't it? Mm. At least in its kind of attitudes to social issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, we'll find something, I'm sure, and then we'll get some Brain Force Plus. And, yeah, uh, we'll listeners, f- if, you, if you know of any, um, any right-wing rom-coms, send them in. BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at BigBoysDon'tPod. <laughs> yes, yeah. Send them in, please. We want to we hear about them. Yeah. But the, the holiday, although, yeah, is conservative, but it's not right-wing. It's just conservative in the sense of not really being progressive right yeah there's there's nothing like it doesn't push the boat out at all small c conservative in terms of its filmmaking and its plot um but it's a fine watch it's like it's comforting it's like that old jumper um that you've got lying around that you wear when you're sick Hmm. yeah you could you could throw up on it (laughs) yeah yeah, it's like the it's it's the um, the film equivalent of like a nice bowl of chicken soup when you've got a cold. Yeah, it's comforting. You know, at, at this time of year, it's one of those just easy easy films you could whack on, you know, and and be vaguely entertained by of an eve, which we said about love actually as well. But it's it's less goofy than that and more slightly more engaging, I think, in a way. And doesn't there's nothing that's like at all problematic about it, really, is there? Apart from the telegraph, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing. Um, yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's a fine film. It's it's hard to get excited yeah. about the holiday, but also it's hard to hate it. Yeah, it'd be unfair to hate on it. I think. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, if you if you like your romantic films like us. It's it's a it's a good one for this time of year. Yeah. So you got any um any ideas for a rating scale? Um how many children would you keep hidden from your romantic partner? <laughs> Until such time as you can reveal the terrible tragedy of your life. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to say like the film Cheaper by the Dozen. Steve Martin, I'm going to say 12. <laughs> ah, 12. Cool, okay. Um, I'm going yeah. to go with um, an 11. I, I I didn't enjoy this as much as I remember enjoying it. I remember finding it much funnier um, and much more charming. But it was it was still an enjoyable watch. Yeah. So that, yeah, those are those are fair ratings, aren't they? It's 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 fair. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's it's all right. Um, cool. Yeah, I kind of just wish it was more than this. Um, and, yeah. But yeah, but it's still it's still an enjoyable lazy Christmas movie. Yeah, it's lazy. That's fair. A lazy film for late for lazy times. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So what's uh, what's next? It's your choice. What are you going to pull out of your Christmas sack? What's <laughs> underneath that Santa hat? <laughs> so, um, 
disclaimer rob is not wearing a santa no i wish i was wearing a santa hat um i've got one somewhere but i don't know where yeah i've got i think i've got one in a cupboard somewhere i think they came with me when we moved in but i'm not entirely sure where it is um so the next movie we're going to watch it's not the most romantic christmas movie but i caught wind that you had not seen it and it's got a romantic sub story and I think it would just be unfair of us not to watch this this Christmas time. Um, we're going to be watching Elf. All right, cool. Yeah, this is, this is the excuse I've been looking for to watch it. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm um, excited to see it because a, a lot of people I know really, really love it. So I think it's um, it's a good choice, and it's become a, a contemporary Christmas classic. I think almost. So it's it's high time that I watched it. Yes, yeah, it's it's been too long. So let's get on it. Cool. Good call. I'm looking forward to that. Cool. So, any final thoughts at all? Um, no, I think I've said everything I wanted to say about the holiday. Oh, apart from that, I I very much enjoyed the music. Um, it's Hans Hans Zimmer. Yeah, it's, finest, a, it's a nice score, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it really does make a big difference, especially the scenes when it's supposed to be very emotional, like Cameron Diaz is dashing through the snow to go and tell him that she's going to stay um and it's got all the, the big strings swell up at that moment like it really it does make a lot of difference to the emotional impact actually so hats off to your man zimmer yeah for sure for sure big up hans zimmer super he, hans zimmer he is the hans zimmer framework of many a great movie yeah but no that's all i had to say we don't have any um any follow-up or anything because yeah it hasn't been that long since we got the love actually episode out so yeah if you have feedback on this episode or that one we'll we'll get to it in the elf episode probably as always yeah email us bigboysdontcrypodcast at gmail.com tweet us at bigboysdontpod the, the most important thing right now is that we find out about right-wing rom-coms obviously so that'd be a a, a christmas gift from you to us if you could yes. find some of those for us yeah send them in please be much appreciated because there's nothing more festive than libertarianism. I think you'll find, Paddy, that um, holidays are a government-sanctioned waste of time and a conspiracy against the hard-working capitalist American. This is true. Why are they trying to stop me from working? I want to work 365 days a year, and I don't have the freedom to do that. I'm, I'm oppressed. It's, yes. it's, it's real oppression. The most oppressed people in the world, because you have to not work every day. Yeah. This is bullshit. <laughs> I did not holiday. I did not. <laughs> oh, hi, Ein. <laughs> oh, good times. All right. Well, um, we'll be back next week to talk about Elf. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.